Thank you so much for also International Hub for lending the space for us. Um, we're sitting on really beautiful yellow couch. <laughs> it's very soft. Um, I do love this couch a lot every single time I, I come here. So a uh, huge big thank you for uh, Yuan and Rita for lending us the space again. And I'm sure um, we'll be taking more interviews um, around this space um, in the future to come. Today we have Lila. Uh, Sutu um, from Greece um, here with us today. Um, she's been uh, living in Norway for seven years, but before, prior to moving to Oslo, she was in the Netherlands for seven years, uh, studying her master's degrees in fine art. Um, and during her time in Oslo, she's also discovered um, what kind of photographer she wants to be like um, and the creative practices. Uh, working as a freelance photographer, she's often taking photos of um, um, from identity to belonging and places. Um, you also describe it as vernacular photography. Can yeah. you explain what that is? <laughs> so. Sure. Uh, first, thank you very much for having me here, Taman and Andre, in this beautiful place. Um, so uh, I'm really grateful. Um, vernacular photography. Vernacular photography is the photography that we use of any kind of pictures, used, every made, everyday pictures, mm. like no absolute technique or any kind of uh, knowledge behind that. So it's the more the kind of everyday mm. photos. Mm. And uh, I find them uh, interesting because vernacular photography can build up uh, the whole story when you want to say stories with images. Not all of stories have to be great. Not all the stories have to be beautiful landscapes, very, uh, very, you know, um, sort of grand, grand, huge exactly, and huge. Canvas, you know, huge and exactly. Yeah. Not every picture has to take the attention of the viewer. Mm. You need the small bites as well yeah. to make the whole story ex explanatory in a way to be, yeah, communicative. Yeah, and it's better to explain that like. Um, when you have a when you have a paragraph, mm. a paragraph is made out of words. Not all words are big words. There are the end, there are the commas, there are the or, there are the that, the which. Mm. So you need small images to make the big story. Mm. That's why there are images that they work like small words mm. that they connect the rest to give up the whole meaning of a paragraph. Yeah. Oh, that's really beautifully explained. You know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just uh, thinking back at um, when I was taking your workshop many years back, and that was kind of almost what I was trying to do. And you were trying to make sense of it because I was, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was kind of basically I was doing a, a documentary, um, visual documentary uh, photography workshop, where yes. I was for about a year taking photos of my surroundings, um, and I didn't know what to do with it. So I took this course with uh, Lila. And uh, she was able to kind of um, put them into islands. And you try to make sense of my surrounding as well. Yeah. You're trying to picture a story out of it. Um, and it was amazing to see how you can use photography as storytelling. Um, and for me, I understood, like, for me, it was another avenue and expression for me to, to tell my own story. But yeah. what is photography for you? What got you into photography? Um... Oh, well, what got me into photography has been, first of all, I have to say that uh, I hope you keep photographing <laughs> because you are quite good and uh, your stories 
it was exactly what I'm looking to my students now. Oh, really? Yeah, every oh, wow. day, every day <laughs> stories, snapshots, because you wanted this not really staged, you like the more everyday uh, observation. And it's not easy that, exactly because we are bombarded mm. by the beautiful images, the aesthetics, the everything that has to be perfect. Mm. So we forgot to see the way that something happens in front of us, the mm -hmm. way I see it now, without staging, without polishing it. Mm -hmm. So going back to that, uh, it's not easy though. So <laughs> I'm glad uh, to continue if you are continue doing that. Oh, definitely. And I think I explained <laughs> to you that I'm, I'm kind of looking into doing this like a photo sure. book um, of a collage of poetry. Sort of uh, imagery was, a poetry that kind of go in line to some of the feelings that I got when I was sure. taking these photos. Um, I really don't know, it's been some years, <laughs> I must admit. So it's, it's always been at the back of my mind. It's always something that I want to continuously doing. Um, and we're going to go into this because um, one of the fascination when I was talking to Lila was um, some similarities of how we use it as a therapy as well. So oh, in some absolutely. ways, absolutely. You know, um, but yeah, sorry, continue with your no, photography. No, no, absolutely. Route. You're, yeah, correct. And it's also like a therapy. Uh, you said that you don't, uh, you, it has been many years back, but you never forget it. It's like bike. <laughs> if you know once to biking, yeah. you continue. Yeah. It's always, it takes experiencing. Mm. The more you do something, the best it becomes. The more you do banana cake, <laughs> the more excellent you become on it. It's the same with everything, you know that. Yeah. So I get into photography, well, on my studies. Mm. through university. Mm. I, that, I did uh, my bachelor's degree in Greece in a university where uh, the school back then it was visual studies but more art theory and this mm. kind of base not so much uh, based on uh, like studio based work like mm. fine art. It was more about art history, theory of art and all these things but we had also photography and we had some studios of painting and sculpture and everything so we had a little bit of everything but I had I got hooked with mm. photography. Mm. There we started and I it happened to have a very good teacher mm. that somehow you know that's how it starts to have somebody to believe in you. Somehow she, see, she saw something always on my pictures that I couldn't see. Mm. So she was the one who really uh, moved me or guided me into photo into more serious photography mm. because I was not that conscious about being a photographer, being an artist. Mm. I was really very naive on my brain back then. <laughs> I think we all are in some ways. Like really, okay, we finish university, we see what's happening, you know, leave it, leave it. It's not an example of anyone today. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, so we see how it goes. But photography was something that I start using more and more with observing my environment. Mm. It stopped. Mm. I didn't really see it as more like I never had a camera on my hand. I, okay, back then we didn't have also mobiles the way we mm. do have today. So then I went for more studies in the Netherlands where I did my master's and everything. And there I started using again photography. Because why? There, I felt the need to understand my environment. And the only medium to do so was photography. Mm. So I felt that by, I felt differently actually. I felt that I was photographing things that I could relate. Mm. I needed a few, uh, points of references. Mm. And I thought by photographing things that I could relate, I don't know, I'm closer to my roots, closer to home, I don't know, to family. I don't know, I had that need. Mm. 
that's how it felt and this is how it started of course through the photo through the program the academy that i the fine art academy that i did of course we had to, de- to produce work we have to come up with stories we have to come up with uh, ways why we do use the medium we use mm-hmm. and uh, answer all these questions about art and research it was very tough mm-hmm. it was very tough because it was not coming from that environment Right. I was coming from a school more general about art theory, theory and stuff and a little bit of this and that, more general knowledge and suddenly in the Netherlands we're just dropped in the, in the heavy deep water <laughs> with all the Dutch students around and few foreigners that they knew how to navigate everywhere, they were very comfortable and confident and everything and I was like, what? <laughs> Hardly speaking a good English, like st- still struggling, but still <laughs> struggling and back then a lot and everything. So. Yeah, it was a, my way of communicating. Mm. It was my visual language. Yeah. And so, how about here in Oslo then? Um, because I could only yeah. imagine how it's like being a foreigner, you know, in, yeah. in, in, in a place where everyone's familiar and they're now coming to Oslo, yeah. which is still a very different environment, yeah. um, unlike home for you. How was, how was that like for you, having to navigate Scandinavia um, compared with you know, your roots in Greece and, you know, being here uh, for these years now. Yes, How's that, yes, How's right. that journey? Um, <laughs> I came to Norway, we came with my partner back then, just for a year, we thought. Mm. <laughs> so we were even supplanting our small studio back in Norway, in the Netherlands, to go back and eventually continue what we're doing. Uh, so we came because he got an offer in, uh, in a position that it, it was quite appealing and we said, yeah, sure. I was working always as a freelance, even back then. So it was easier for me to communicate. Actually, back then I could go back to do some work in the Netherlands and come here. Uh, okay, that lasted longer and eventually we were here. And there it hit me. When after three years where I realized that we are staying here, there's nothing going back. Because until then we didn't know. The position was unstable. Uh, I was still back and forth. I was trying also to find, okay, if we are here, what we do. Mm. I'm not starting with Norwegian courses because I had started already with some courses then and I know it's super expensive and if we're living, I don't want to invest. So it was at in limbo situation. Mm. But that's the worst. And we have a saying, I guess everyone must say it, mm. or everyone must have the saying, uh, perhaps in English as well, but I don't remember it, how to say it in English. I'll describe it. It goes like uh, there's more, yeah, there's more, there's nothing more uh, permanent than the temporary. Hmm. What's it in Greece? I'm missing this. In Greece. In, in, it, in this Greece. is in Greece. So okay. wherever you are, mm-hmm. try to think that you're going to stay forever. Okay. <laughs> okay, it doesn't seem very appealing. But it, it's an instruction in a way that uh, you try to think that here you are now. Don't live on the universe like, no, I'm leaving. No, I shouldn't invest here. I shouldn't invest there. Here mm-hmm. you are. Do the best that you can here. Mm-hmm. And it was a very good advice that I didn't follow. <laughs> I didn't follow, but because it took longer. If I had started earlier, the earlier you start, the better it is for you. Mm -hmm. So for these three years, I was feeling in a limbo situation. That's not this, not that. I was a tourist in Mm -hmm. Norway for quite some time. I couldn't have an ID card. It took quite some time. Mm -hmm. And that made it feel more tourist. Mm -hmm. It was difficult to open open an account Mm -hmm. uh, because we were not married with my partner. Uh, that was here in Norway. He was here. We were living together for all the years and stuff. We didn't want to get married. So I felt I felt that so we have to follow two years here under the same roof. 
Yeah, We're yeah. living eight years yeah. already. Yeah. Under, seven, sorry, under the same roof. It didn't count to them. We have to be under the same roof here. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So, so and you basically, or, or to get married. No, I didn't want to. I got pissed off with that. Yeah. Because that was the only reason. Yeah. Um, so, I, I didn't have actually access to, like, yeah, couldn't have my own company. See, things start being difficult when I realized that, okay, here we are. For him, it was easy. He would just landed the job. Mm. I was in a difficult position. I had to be in, 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 I had to make things easy for me, mm. for my company to start a company to register for health mm. uh, doctors. Right, exactly. All the time I was paying. I was not part of the system. They couldn't no. find because I was not part of the thing. Every, you know, this is a question, where is your uh, Futsal uh, number? Yeah, Futsal's number, uh, yeah, it's, it's, number. A, it's like a, uh, it's basically the Norwegian uh, insurance yeah, number, I think is. correct. Uh, the social security number? number it's that, social security number, yeah. And it, it makes you like open up yeah. uh, to everything and that, yeah. and that really worries me, yes. is how exclusive really the, um, the policies are here. And also I think it infringes on your relationship with your partner yeah. as well you're kind of forced into marrying when you don't really kind of want to so. yeah we are we are together many years <laughs> and i feel this is my person but marriage was something like a conventional society kind of proof mm. that i always felt that i don't need it mm. but i feel that yeah the society needs it to go forward but mm. still i refuse it mm. Um, anyhow, I, we managed after two years that I had proof that we're living with the same person under the same roof. Here we are, look, this is the address. So I managed to get things uh, organized, uh, have my bank account, have my card, be registered, finally. Um, and yeah, there I realized again that no, you're not a tourist anymore. You weren't a tourist, other that you're fooling your mind, you're fooling yourself, you're fooling, sorry, yourself. Uh, then what we do, what, where we are, mm. what we have around us. And again, photography came. Mm. Because in the Netherlands, I was photographing for me, but I was not working with photography as much. Mm. I was working more in institutions like gallery, like museums, like administration. I was kind of being afraid mm. to be a full artist, to call myself an artist mm. and to say, I use photography. So it was easier because I finished there. I had better connections. So it was easier to get like some gallery jobs. Some right. I was younger as well, so they needed uh, more people back then and stuff like that. So I I kept more dear to me photography, mm. and I came from background that I never used it commercially, mm. or I never taught how else photography can be used. Mm. I found that by my own. So I had very bad stereotype about photography that either you be a documentary, mm-hmm. photo reportage, which is I have a huge admire, but I didn't want to do that, or fashion photographer, or advertisement. So these labels mm-hmm. that I didn't fit to any of them. No. So it took time to realize that, okay, what I'm going to do with photography? And I found it here. Mm-hmm. Here it came again as a tool to not be left alone, as a tool again to to be introduced to my environment. Mm. That's how photography came. Mm. And then I felt that I found out about this peripatetic photography, mm. which yes. is, a, there is a term, it's called peripatetic and means it comes from a Greek world. I'm Greek, 
mm. by the way. So uh, it, it comes from a Greek word that means of strolling, the, the, the movement of walking, mm. but outside mm. while exploring. Isn't it like strolling, like you don't really know where you're going, wandering, but you're exploring meanwhile? And by the environment, you're being, uh, you're being influenced by the environment. So thinking, different thoughts come to your mind. Mm. Thoughts stimulate motivations, stimulates feelings, emotions, memories. Mm. So that goes. That that is a process, and I I I figure out about that process with photography. So with a camera, camera works mm. basically. Uh, working with a camera, where I start realizing where I am. And I start realizing that I did that be best at night when everything was calm and cool mm. and no one was questioning. Mm. It was quiet and still. It was this blue also, the blue colors of the winter. I felt better that I was photographing during, always during winter and night. Mm. I don't know why. <laughs> but back then I felt that because, yeah, yeah that's what, it's something new for me. Yeah. The, Netherlands, the Netherlands was quite flat. Mm. Well, for this kind of photography that I am into, I, it was really an indifferent place. Mm. Nothing really to... So I'm very glad mm. that we decided to move. Because after all, I remember that I had enough. I, I wanted to live in the Netherlands back then. So we were glad that we found this possibility. Of course, I, the possibility that my partner got and I, we, together we were offered this uh, space, and let's say this place, because I felt more... Uh, in, in at home here because mm. I come from the northwest in Greece mm. I come from the mountains I come from a very rainy place where we have <laughs> snow where we have a lot of like cold as well mm. so for me I miss the mountains mm. where the Netherlands was so flat it was so boring so that kind of thing really uh, woke me up as a photographer the mm. landscape first woke me up as a photographer then the environment around me, urban photography, mm. different, totally different, because Scandinavia is a different planet. Yes. It's not like <laughs> north different. of Europe, it's Scandinavia. <laughs> Norway is different. Yeah. The fact also that they're not being in, uh, in the EU, I feel that it, it has shaped differently their mentality and ideology. And I must say that uh, I admire several things about it and the way they have set up their society and this uh, uh, several things that... I, I, I didn't have before, neither in the Netherlands, neither in Greece. Mm. So I give them the, the benefit of that. Um, and what was that that was different about uh, Scandinavia that was different from... In what way? Well, okay, when uh, we arrived, that was more actually uh, to decline, actually. It started being the, the, the decline, declination, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know? The decline, then it started being the decline because basically we had almost eight, no, ten, eight years of the right government. So I don't know if I should go political here. <laughs> okay. But what I meant, it was the more uh, social approach towards the people. Mm. Uh, the more socialistic kind of approach that maybe is more on the name than it is actually on the... Uh, later on than it was actually on the actions. Yeah. But still, there are some stuff from my experience, from things that I have experienced that there still remain here, mm. untouched. Okay. And uh, for that, because for me, political is very important, always. Mm. And I believe that uh, the personal is political. Mm. 
here I think is more you can do more with that you can be more political than you could in the Netherlands for example okay. still okay I don't want to go into that there's a lot of conversation we are the ones that we feel to be political anywhere we are mm. because we are not from here Perhaps if I was from here, I wouldn't see things that I needed to be political. When I say political, not with politics involved. Mm. It's again a, a different version. Uh, being as a citizen, mm. being uh, being a, uh, being aware of a citizen. That's what I what I mean mm. about political. And it's a version we use differently in Greek again. Okay. So being political doesn't mean that you have to be inf- involved in politics. But it means that you have to be aware of situations around you. Mm-hmm. You have to criticize situations that you think that they're not fair, they're not correct. Mm-hmm. And be aware for you and for mm-hmm. others that they are in less uh, benefited position than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I mean. So, okay. so it's a bit like uh, civ- uh, civic participation. Civil participation from, yeah. from, from, from your side. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go into politics or a politician in sure. order to, to kind of do that. But you have an active role um, in society to move forward. In a certain sure. Case. So I uh, think you put it very well. I feel that here that, that's more possible. Mm. Okay. Constructed yeah. possible. That, that something, something will come out of it. Yeah. Structive. Yeah, constructive and uh, structured. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like in my country, yes, many people can be, but I don't feel that they have outcome the way they 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 wished. Mm. In the Netherlands, I didn't experience it that much. It was more apolitical mm. for my standards. I, I was younger, mm. of course, mm. as well. We're talking about almost a decade younger uh, soon. So the mind is different. Yeah. You have different needs. You're craving for different things. Mm. And I think like uh, when we're on that note, I often think about, I think as minorities here um, in the room here uh, where I am yeah. now, is that we, we go into quite a lot of the immigration policies here, hmm. uh, honestly, and I think it affects us so, so much. And I think like with your journey, and I think this is the first time I've heard that somehow your previous um, existence with, with your partner outside of Norway was not counted. Um, and I think that was really weird because when I came here, um, the kind of relationship I had with my daughter's father, what we had before, was actually sort of um, counted because they were actually looking at how many times we have flown to yeah. each other. You know, yeah. Which is very, it, it goes to show how things has changed quite a bit, I think, yeah. now. And I think it must have taken you at least a year or two to actually wrap up all of that paperwork Absolutely. Uh, to, to show of that. And on top of that, you have probably had to wait another months in order to open Absolutely. up a bank account as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what it was at the end? I thought I had all the papers. I went there. And then, again, something was missing. Mm. So I was again... Um, I shouldn't swear. <laughs> okay, I was... Um, yeah, I was... <laughs> Again, I go there, I go, I have the appointment, I, fe- I met, uh, I got in my line and everything. I thought, I'm, July it was, we were yeah. about to go later on for summer vacation. And then I meet this person and she says, oh, but you need that. I don't remember what paper. And then she sees the name of my partner mm-hmm. and says, is it that guy? She says, yes. Does he teaches there? I said, yes. He says, oh, who's my teacher? I really liked his course. <laughs> Norwegian and says you know something I think we can skip that you're granted oh my god can you believe that 
So I still, I had something else that I have to come with papers on. I had more waiting time, but she says, but you know something really, it's not really, it's okay. I know him, I know you, I see the rest is fine. I don't know you, but I know him and he's in a position that, okay, it gives some more, uh, like say, uh, authorship on this kind of things that yeah. you're not really doing something legal or anything. Yeah. So again, not on the right path, right? <laughs> we find the back door. But I'm very blessed for this no, because course, she was yeah. really stuck to the, you know, computer yeah. says, no. yes, you know, the series. <laughs> I know that. I know that. That's such a, such a that, great that, thing. That is so Norwegian, though. They, yes. they, they, they stick by the books. They stick by it. Somehow I find it as a very false morale. Yeah, yeah. Sense, it's a morale that makes them feel powerful um, and somehow makes them prestige in a certain way, but it made our life hell. There's nothing good out of it, in my opinion, if you look at things in a very huge big picture, honestly, if I have to go into that route. But anyway, that's another story. So, um, but, but I think like your journey also here was quite a tough one. Um, and that was when you found out you were in... You, you have to have an uh, infertility treatment. Hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Do you want to walk us through sure. that? <laughs> it's the first time I talk so openly about it. Yeah. Other than my pictures. <laughs> because with my pictures, I started already my visual journey, yeah. trying to understand what that means for me, what mm. this experience, how could I articulate visually this experience. Mm. But okay, when we arrive in uh, whatever, for, for whatever time we arrive, we didn't know for how long we will be in Norway, but we arrived on a good age to start having a family because we were, we yeah. thought together we'll be, okay, let's start having a family. It's, things seem more stable right now, mm. jobs-wise and everything. It's mm. a good time. Mm. Little we knew. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little we knew. Um... So when we found out that we suffer from infertility in a way, again, I was not, I was not registered. Mm-hmm. So it was difficult for me to go through these checks that first, you know, both partners have to go. Mm-hmm. You check yourself and then you know from where you start. Uh, yes, that was really difficult because I couldn't really start from here since I was not on the system and I had to pay everything. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, anyhow, my partner could start, so he did his part. And then they referred us to a clinic, something. He did again, that checks there. Okay, then when it became clear that uh, we will need to go into IVF, there mm. was an artificial... Uh, mm. Uh, yeah, in vitro. I don't know for, if someone is like, well, we should explain that. It's, arti- it's assistant reproduction, mm. basically. That's the correct mm. way, I, I believe, to say or artificial um, mm. fertilization. Uh, then uh, back then though, like we're talking seven, well, eight years now, 2022, I, I mm. forget counting properly. We're talking about, let's say eight years back. It seemed to be very difficult to get into the system, even if I was registered back then, which I was not. Mm. It was difficult to get into line, the doctor told me. So I remembered, he said that, don't forget, forget about it, don't wait in Norway, go to Denmark. Okay. They suggested it already here, because the waiting time was already, already about a year. Oh. Back then it felt too long. Mm. Uh, but since I was not registered here, it was for me easier to go to Greece anyhow. Mm. 
because there I go directly. I didn't have to wait the the, the train of doctor of, of doctors, you know, the line that uh, to get the um, certificate, the approval of this doctor yeah. of the GP to go to the rest to the rest. Right. I knew what the problems were. I had to to check few things, so it was easier. In my country is easier that we don't have mm. the GP that gives permission to go to the rest. Yeah, you can just go straight to the specialist. You go straight to the, speci- yeah. to the yeah. specialist and that saves a lot of time. Mm, absolutely. So I did that, my part and everything, and then uh, we figure out that since we have to go abroad, then we better do it there. Mm. Okay, we did uh, many tries. I'm not going to go into this because that we did it in another country. Mm. But for three years, I didn't feel. I was not... I didn't, I don't know. Mm. You're grieving. I was grieving, exactly. Mm. Yeah, I know what, yes, exactly. I know what it was. I don't know. It was difficult for me to focus again on that because it was again, every time, it's a, it's a process that every go, you, you're thirsty and you go to the, to the source of water and you're not drinking. Mm. I didn't want to experience again another morning because mm. it's another personal morning. Mm. I was morning with my dad indeed and it happened that I was a lot with them mm. and I helped them. I, I wanted to be to be with his last days and months and everything. So I stayed a lot of time there. Mm. So let's say that three years passed, not let's say, three years passed that I felt that, okay, I can face that monster again. Mm. And then it comes where I ask help here. Mm. And then I got nothing. Then I got the door here. That was also because I said, okay, I don't want again that thing i don't want again going back and forth i want to we are here now i want us here it's a lot of work already i want to have my my house my my sleeping bed whatever my program my schedule because every time i go back it's my mom's place it's different i really appreciate it that i have a space in greece but it's not mine Mm. i cannot slam the door slam at the door and cry Mm. i have to be keep up the appearances for my mom as well so I really thought we can continue being here, but it it started with a, with an myoma. Mm. It's I don't know. It's an it's an ecological thing that you had to taking out like a small a good tumor, let's say. Yeah. It's called myoma, but we shouldn't go into more yeah. uh, of this uh, de, de, uh, yeah medical details. There I needed here the help. Okay. Because that needed to be removed, right. so to continue my treatment. Mm. And when I went here, there was a huge of waiting time again. <sighs> it was mm. a year. A year? Yes. And I said, but you know, I'm in an age that I really need to proceed with this thing. Yeah. I'm not getting any younger right. for having children if we want to. Yeah. Back then they said, yes, we understand, but we are the only hospital in Oslo that we're operating with the, these things and uh, we have cases from all around the country, so we have to prioritize. Sure, you prioritize. Mm-hmm. I agree. What can I say? Mm-hmm. I went to Greece again. Mm-hmm. I have it removed right away. Then Corona hit. Mm-hmm. Things were slower again. So anytime I wanted any check here, I had to be really referred to. I had to be taken too long. I, I kind of gave up. And I remember it was in June that they called me. And they said, oh, Mrs. Otto, we have a free uh, a cancellation. Do you want to have your operation in August? I had it already in February. 
I said, no, thank you. Give it to somebody else. Oh, okay, sure. Yes, yes, thanks for letting us know. Anyhow, uh, it continued. Things, okay. Then things with Corona, with the pandemic, became a bit more flexible. We could travel again. And on the third year of my dad passed away, I went back to try again. So that was last summer. Mm. Uh, Where for the first time, we have we were positive. Yay. Yes. We had, I, we had, mm. uh, we got positive results, but we had the miscarriage. Oh, no. mm. So I had the miscarriage. So my experience then starts here. Mm. That when I got the positive results, I had to follow up with some uh, checks and some medicines that I had been subscribed with my doctor. Mm. But here, it didn't seem the need that I should follow up that. So every time I have bought few, but again, because all the other times didn't work, I didn't know that I have to buy a lot of this. I didn't want to, I said, I'll go, I'm going to get them from, from Norway because then I'm going to be in the system. I'm going to tell them, you see, I have to get these ones. Mm. Oh my goodness. And I remember, okay, it went for some time and then I needed to follow. I, my, my medicine's finished. So I have to buy from mm. here. Oh my goodness, how nightmare it was that. My GP couldn't prescribe them, of course, because she was not authorized. I had to be referred to gynecologists. The gynecologists wouldn't know some of the medicines. We have to look them up. They asked me, call your doctor to see what is this, maybe in Norway. And then they were telling me like, and why do you need that? We don't give that here. We don't do that here. We don't this that here. We don't do this way here, and it felt that I had to apologize every time. I something. It was my choice. Mm. I said, "Look, I don't know. Yes, there is a protocol that I'm following. Mm. I have all this history. Mm. They thought that it's better that I stick to this medicine to avoid miscarriages. Mm. Well, and other things and some some checks. Mm. They think maybe it's better." Uh, they okay. They saw the historical thing and everything and everything, and they say yes, yeah, sure, okay, we continue. Um, but it was so difficult to every time, even to buy them. There was triple the price than I would buy them from Greece, and again, not the blow reset as they call it. Mm. Not uh, you had to pay the full price. Yeah. Only mm. few, very cheap ones. Mm. They were cut half the price. It didn't matter that there were there were other things that was the smallest thing on the way like an obstacle but there were small things that it made me feel like I was the I was wrong mm. like I was not a, mm. I was not a doctor mm. what they follow me I did I didn't mm. know it would be so difficult to mm. buy the medicines here and okay uh, I went to Greece and everything back but what strikes me that and I remember uh, it was the first time that I felt that I went to the I went to the doctor to the GP and then I asked I, oh yeah again mm. because you know you follow it's not a by it's not a biological process that you get pregnant mm. and I was past thirty five obviously mm. and there are several blood tests that they have to do so I you get yeah positive result mm. but you have to follow up this. Uh, protein that this value on your blood mm. to see how much it grows mm. because then you have to protect it with again with some some medical things and some vitamins that I was taking so I had to go back to the doctor and get tested for one week for two weeks three like four times mm. to get this value on my blood how it goes right. because I have also thyroiditis okay so and then they were saying, but again, why? Why need it? Why do you need it again? But we did it last time. But why do you need it again? 
again explanations and again can you put me forward to this and this and that and that was really energy wasted yeah absolutely absolutely energy wasted and every time i have to call and you have the result they need it in my clinic back in greece to have the results like almost same day they are used to have the same day results (laughs) here three days Do you have them? We have to know how we're going to continue with your doses, for example. Yeah. I said, no, we wait. Seriously? What is this that you wait? Well, what I don't understand is, like, yeah. knowing that you have gone treatment from Greece. Yes. What I don't understand is, why did the GP did not even bother to pick up the phone and call your doctor? Because oh. this is kind of pretty routine, actually, in the UK. And I'm, I'm saying this, it's like, in a very international you know mm. you know society that we're living in i must admit when i'm listening to your story I, i'm getting really pissed off and angry and i'm I have so many swearers coming up in my head you know and i'm because i can relate to the experience of waiting yeah. and the experience of even if you have the operation what would happen to yeah so for me i had to make four or five different calls because when i had the surgery now what i didn't know was that when it was explained to me i had a microscopic surgery and that was supposed to have like one week, I'm good, I'm out. But it took a lot longer and I was not feeling good. And then I could only take out the bandage after two weeks. And I was calling, I was trying to figure out like, I need to get follow-up. This follow-up, follow-up this yeah. follow-up is pretty shit in this country. Yeah. It's so awful that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. How can any doctor, surgeon or whatever can operate not following up? Yes. And that was what happened to me. And I said that I'm demanding for a follow-up because I'm not feeling good. And as soon as I got there, they even got the, the system wrong. And also, like, I was talking to four different people on the phone in less than 24 hours, trying to get an appointment back to the clinic. Yeah. And as you go from one to the other, one didn't even put the information in my journal. So I had to repeat myself again in a way that you were apologizing and going, I'm sorry, but I, this yeah. is what's happening to me, yeah. you know? And they... It, there's this feeling of hostility almost like oh you're disturbing me yeah yeah exactly disturbing and you have to be like sorry and this and may may do this may do I mean, that i mean the thing is why why yeah, should we yeah. be sorry about what this yeah, is yeah. our health you are providing us a service we're still paying our taxes yeah. no matter what we're still here with citizens treat us decently and that was where i got really pissed off at the point that i was yelling at the fourth person I was like going, do you guys not freaking communicate with each other? <laughs> I don't understand, you know? And when it comes to our health, I am so protective. Even for, you know, even when I'm listening to yours, I'm thinking how many things could have gone right for you had they actually just opened up their minds a little bit to, to make your life a little bit easier instead of you feeling like you're a burden to them and to the system. Because I don't think you were. And I think you were, you just want to have, you know, what's the best for you, really, in all of this. Yeah, it's clear uh, that they're not really after your best interest. Mm. It's clear to me that. And th- I can say that from my position, that that would be after my interest. Because I was entitled mm. to have public health treatment here. Mm. But not, ar- not after I crossed the 38-year-old. Oh, is that the case? Yes. Where in my country, that's the opposite. Mm. When you cross a certain age, there you need assistance. Mm. In the Netherlands too, at least one. Mm. But here, you are a burn case apparently. And that hit me. 
So when I really needed anything, the operation didn't work. It was too much longing, yeah, waiting a long waiting time. Follow up, it was pain in the ass again. Sorry, mind my Greek. Uh, it was really very difficult. Follow up was difficult. And again, when it happened, uh, I, I had the miscarriage. I had him in Greece. I was following it up. Mm. I had it on six weeks. Mm. Five weeks, we could listen to the heart. It was really strange and everything. So you thought, you know, but it, it happens. It's very common in the first three months. What struck me also here, you had the first ultrasound on the 10th week. Mm. So I would be carrying a dead fetus for five months if I was here mm. without knowing. Mm. And I would continue with my medicines mm -hmm. and everything. Mm. Unless, if, of course, if I go to private check. Mm. Okay, private check, I go, I know, I pay 2,000 krona. That's not the point. The point is filtering. I'm not 25, I'm not 30. I'm not, not even 35. Mm. You need to have different filter checks when it comes to health mm. for women. I'm talking my case mm. about pregnant women. Mm. Of course, you address different somebody who's 25. Not anymore 30. Mm. But when you have above 35 women who get with IVF mm. treatments, you don't behave the same as if you have a biological pregnancy in front of you. Mm. You try to uh, break the corners a little bit. Mm. That's what I will have done. And I think that the A system who is really supportive to patients would understand better. Mm. And I have that experience from my country. Mm. I'm not saying my country sucks in many things, mm. but f for that, and I'm not a pay, I'm not a taxpayer there. Mm. I'm a taxpayer here. Right. So for that and amount for, for that experience, I I, I can compare, mm. and so for that only, I I would really there it it, it struck me, and I said, what the, what is the point then? Uh, that my experience was really poisoned. Mm in a way that any time I really needed some guidance, I didn't get any. Mm. And when I asked the doctor, I, well, I changed GP, I got a very more communicative woman. She was very supportive and everything, I must say, because I was not very lucky with my previous uh, GP. <clears throat> uh, she referred me because after the miscarriage, I had to have a, a follow-up right. to see about how, how we're doing down there. Mm. Uh, because I had the miscarriage was with um, uh, it was an operation again mm. in Greece mm. because there I I had the miscarriage it was not medicine mm. maybe I don't want to again not go into the details but there are cases where you take a, a pill and right. then you yeah. you abort yeah. but I had to go through operation sure. so for the, after the operation I had to be checked so mm. she referred me to a GP and no to a, a gynecologist uh, okay I went after a month actually. Mm. Okay, I still pay it. Mm. Public, I still mm. pay 800 krona. Okay, that's how it works apparently. Mm. After a month I was referred, I, I got a, no less, about 20 days let's say. And I asked, by the way I said, doctor, why I cannot go anymore? Why they have this system like up to 38 years old? you are able to be supported by the public system. Why they don't support women older that basically they are in need? Mm. And what did he tell me? And I would never have thought about it or never have put on, on, in, on that words. 
He says, well, let's put it that way. When you have two horses, you have a young horse and an old horse, where are you betting? You bet on the young horse, he said. So let's say that the Norwegian uh, health system, that's how it thinks, that they're going to put their money to the horse that has most chances to win. He told me this thing. There. He was not even looking at me. I said, yeah, I don't know, I didn't, I don't know. I feel a bit, uh, yeah, pissed off now that it didn't say something else, but I didn't react, I didn't how say cool anything. How cool was that? Honestly, uh, I'm just... He was realistic. He says, yeah, okay, let me tell you, these are the two things. Let's put it that way. He gave an example. He gave a very, very visual example. I saw the horses running. And me being the one that really gaps on the obstacles, down. Doesn't cross the obstacles, you know, that you have the horses. Yeah. If I can be funny on that, but really, when I thought about it afterwards, I said, what did he say, seriously? How you should be as a doctor, a bit more careful how you say things, more sensitive. Say yes, is maybe an unfair, an unfair system, or don't, don't judge, don't judge. Yeah, doctor. Well, he already judged you. I'm sorry. He say, did. He already judged you. He judged. And asking you not to judge. Yes, and well, actually already, but when he was checking me, he mm. says, you're doing very well, actually, for your age. So why can't you try? Because the system has free up to 38 years old and had passed mm. the 30 years old uh, last summer, last April. So... Uh, you you can go here privately as well as I go in Greece, mm. but in Greece it's half the money I pay here. Mm. Are you considering trying again or? Yeah, or? I am. I have one more. We we froze uh, something. <laughs> we have a little froze uh, frozen. Uh, we will try once more. Uh, now that I, mm. you know, because after a, a miscarriage, it was the first time that I get pregnant. Mm. But after the miscarriage, you have to wait. Yeah, for the system yeah. to clear right. it's not if you are under biological uh, procedure like normal mm -hmm. then after a month mm -hmm. even if you have a miscarriage after a month you can go on mm -hmm. but because it was an operation I had yeah. to wait Yeah. every time I have to wait and I don't it really have the time on my side yeah it's, it's, it's the waiting isn't it I find like you have to wait and then you go and then it's it's safer for for your body to wait after right. you have the treatment yeah. like no, that. I, I totally understand that. I'm just trying to... You know, Ask me anything you want. You know, I'm so sorry to hear what has gone, uh, what you've gone through. And I'm just feeling the excruciating pain of the weight of you haven't gone through. But I'm also thinking that you're incredibly strong, you know? To the state that you are now um, that I'm seeing mm. so for those who are listening in who has similar experiences what was the one thing that just kept you going because you you uh, I'm looking at these years of turmoil both with immigration journey both on your family side where your father passed away you know the loss and the grief of that and then now the miscarriage and all that what kept you going and what would is even your takeaway message or your motto, whatever it is, that you hold on to, even now? Maybe, yeah, I don't know how it's going to sound, but... Take um, your time. 
what it helped me, what it hold me, or my what it made me continue going on, like yeah, helped me go on. It was the fact that I liked what I have made until now. I like the life. I like the I, I I like the point I was that I realized what things I want for myself, professionally and personally. So that kept me going. So I tried to see, independently from having a child or not, mm. that I should stick to these things that I think that they're good for me and I'm good for them and try to be working with people or try to be somewhere always that you can offer something. Mm. So I still try to remember that, that whatever happens on this try again, mm. uh, whatever happens, I'm okay with where I am, with my partner, mm. and I'm okay with what I have achieved mm. on few, well, like few things. Mm. But I know they're mine, these very few things, mm. I know they're mine and I know how I have won them. So I can pass the the method to somebody else as well. Mm. And photography has kept me. Mm. Teaching the others the, 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 this, the way of understanding where you stand through pictures. Mm. That has helped me. And I would like to say something as an advice mm. to somebody. Because often... Uh, when when I will say I didn't communicate that until very late our infertility until my story with images start being more popular and coming out mm. to photographers and to this kind of audience um, so I wasn't I never really talked to about it with words and everything mm. but often I realized or I see it around not to me so much but I realized that women I'm talking about women that they are infertile or couples they get this suggestion as if they haven't thought about it. Mm. Oh, but don't worry, you can adopt. Mm. Sure you can. And sure, if you feel like, you should do it. But there's something that people forget. Adoption is choice for everyone, regardless infertility. Mm. So shouldn't be like, okay, you cannot have a child. You adopt, I can have a child, I have mine, you mm. adopt. It's not about mine. Mm. or yours but that sounds already selfish mm. that you suggest to the person who is inferior to that that he should choose for this mm. if if not you who else mm. but that that i would like people to understand that no you, that you when you when you have nothing to say don't say anything to people when they go into a situation you haven't been mm. say oh really i did i don't really know how how it might be mm. it can be really shitty yeah it is it's very honest to say that but about adoption, sure it might be, but you don't know also the struggles of being a foreigner mm. that adoption might have for somebody who, who is a foreigner. Mm. So uh, that's what I would like to say because it's come, it comes easy to people to, to comfort you in a way with mm. this kind of advice. But something else that the person who is in the position of struggle sure has thought almost of options the way you are thinking in one of your minutes believe this person has gone through it more than a minute or two or five right, exactly so they all know more mm. than what of course you say my five minute of uh, advice like my second let's how they call it the five cent of advice how they have it in english the expression that's my, my English is gone that's my that's <laughs> no, my, after, after after talking with me of no, course your English no, is gonna no. go no, it's gone. <laughs> 
<laughs> like it's, it's for being here for such a long time. It's it's, it's it's very hard to it's like, and also like because although I'm brought up in England and everyone thinks like I have all this vocabulary and all this knowing yes. everything. Unfortunately, right. I don't. And even though I remember like before we had jumped into this conversation and being recorded, I was explaining to you that even I can't pronounce my name. Yes, yes. <laughs> <Let's have a laughs> so, 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 yeah. How is this expression? My cent, my five cent. Uh, Senses? You mean like no, my five cent talk. I, well, okay, if I had, I could Google it. And I could five. Google it on my mobile, but five. okay. There is an expression, five cents. If I can give you a piece of advice. Oh, five cents or two cents. My two, two cents. cents. My yeah, two, two cents. cents. Right. That's, uh, see, we got, we got it. We got there. We got there. <laughs> we found it. My two cents of advice. <laughs> that was, th- that I can say about re- regarding the matter. Because, yeah, it's a choice. Mm. As you have to, that choice, I have that. Mm. We have the same choice. Mm. Whoever goes for it, let them be the judge of it. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And... Um, no, I think like you, you, you were quite spot on on that, and I think like what I've realized in many of the, you know, talking to a lot of my friends with immigrant backgrounds is that communication is really horrible here, and help, and also like even to each other sometimes we don't know how to communicate when someone's suffering, and when someone's oh, going sure. through trauma, you know. Sure. Um, now, I've Very already so. spoken a little bit about me wanting to take my own life last year, and some of the most common things I hear about was. That's a stupid thing to do. Lovely. And did you know how many times I actually thought that might be happen as well? You know, it's just that having gone through it is very, very different, you know. And I think like your experiences and how you survive those moments with your um, what I, I believe is, is compassion and love for the world. And honestly for you, um, when I'm listening to you, because you know, the reason why I did this podcast was trying to find some answers. And I feel yeah. like when I'm with you, the answer is the love of life. Oh, nice. I don't know what you think about that. Of course, I don't want to, like, you life. know, impose or... or, or um, but that's how I interpret your story today. That's is the true, love of life. come on. That's true. Love of life. You know what I thought when I had the miscarriage? Mm. Oh, shit. I can go do this trip now. <laughs> I shouldn't because I had to be careful and this and that oh I can do that workshop and I can do the other one and that never changes it never ends but it will never end so I'm saying that whatever happens when you find to have to have fun when you find your way Mm. to find things that you find meaning Mm. you continue doing them meaningful things you continue Mm. doing them Uh, so that's what I'm Mm. again my two cents (laughs) you didn't do well, we're going to wrap up this conversation. Sure. Uh, thank you again, Lila. Is there anything else you would like to add um, that I haven't asked? No, you have asked. Uh, we even I think we talk even more than I would expected that I will talk about <laughs> or these things that I will say. Uh, but since we're we're talking about stories here mm. uh, and we're communicating stories, I think what we learn also it's to talk to each other, mm. not hold on our not hold on to ourselves and to our secrets and live on our life, our big stories or small stories, because also you have to come from a very uh, struggle situation and you keep on going with your own struggles and demons. We all have our demons. Mm. We forget that we come from a different background, from a different uh, reference. Mm. We don't start from the same point, all of us. Mm. 
So it's good to remember to not compare mm. and to talk. Mm. To talk. So today is a very good idea, that thing that we should share our stories. Mm. Because if I can say something more, and I will finish it here, um, the stories is like the boats. Mm. I'm coming from Greece, okay? I have said that three times. I wouldn't expect <laughs> to say that so much. But we, we, it's a country who makes boats, create. They have this long story and tradition. A boat, it may take you months, not even years, to make it. Mm. But if, it does, if, if you don't put it out on the water, if it doesn't travel, it is as if it never existed. Mm. And you keep it where? On the port? What stories a boat has to say? Mm. What the stories of the people who are living on that boat can mm. say? It's the same with stories. If you don't bring them out to the public, if you don't communicate them, it's like never existed. Mm. And that goes with poems, that goes with images, mm. with everything. We need to communicate what we have in our mind. First, because we feel better. And second, because we might in, in one in hundred times reach to somebody who is going to feel even better and is going to reflect on something or grab mm. from, a, from a word of, of, or a thought that can help them continue mm. or find their path or feel related mm. or not feel alone simply. Mm. So sharing stories reminds you that you are not alone mm. and you are not alone. That's really beautifully said. Um, and to, to end this, and thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Yeah. Thank you again for giving me the possibility. And uh, you, you brought up this. I never thought about it like the thriving or, or surviving in, yeah. in Norway. I never thought it as a thriving story when I communicated to you. I never thought about it. So you helped me see it in that way. And I think you helped me see you know, the light of life. You know, so oh, we, we both help each other out here. So <laughs> that's cool. We keep that in mind. Yeah. Life goes on, and there's still a lot of light. Now we're getting into spring, anyhow. <laughs> Soon. <laughs>